everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. Yes, you're not uh, you're not on repeat on Spotify. You actually, I am releasing another podcast within a week of the other one. It is uh, odd, but it's true. Uh, like I hinted at last week on the last podcast, uh, I might have another one. And guess what, folks? I do. And I have a very special guest with me today. Somebody who I've been friends with a long time now, but have never had on the podcast. In fact, it's his first podcast ever. I can't believe it. It's my good friend, Jack. You can find him on Twitter at Jack Sucks at Games. Is that right? Yep, and it's spelled S-U-X because some other guy took the actual word. <laughs> so there's another Jack out there that also sucks at games. It's either that or the handle was too long. I don't remember. It's been so long. <laughs> but I have some some social media sites. It's actually got it spelled out like Twitch and I believe Instagram. But Twitter, it's, it's spelled out S-U-X. All right. Well, cool. And, uh, and Jack and I have been friends for a long time. Started off coming into the store as a customer, and we've, uh, you know, we've been hanging out for a while now. And and uh, it's funny because we've talked about doing a podcast a couple times, like just oh, we should talk about this, talk about that, and then it just never worked out. And now it has. So, uh, what we're going to talk about today, uh, like I've talked about last week as well. Uh, typically, when I do a podcast now, it's something irks me online. Some sort of social media irks me, or something on Reddit. Uh, this time it was a conversation that was sparked online that I stumbled into the middle of, but basically it was a conversation about emulation versus real hardware and how to enjoy your retro games. And as I was reading through it, it just seemed like there were sides with their interest involved in a certain way of playing games, supporting their way and crapping on the other way. And this was kind of stupid. So we're going to talk a little bit about emulation actual hardware modifying consoles and what we think is the right way to play um it's gonna remind me i think you'll remember this conversation from podcasts years ago where i just said you know the only right way to collect video games is your way jack i want to ask you this is tradition on the podcast so now i have to ask you what are you playing lately have you been playing any games lately or are you in a rut are you watching tv like what's what's media are you consuming at the moment because i know you're more of a retro guy you don't really have new consoles so um, what what uh, what have you been playing? Well, that's a very that's a you just opened up a can of worms, pal. <laughs> you opened up another can. So we of do worms. here, baby. You're going to call this podcast "Can <laughs> of Worms." I, I, that's a great name for a podcast. <laughs> um, so to be honest, I haven't been playing much, but I've been so busy lately. Um, and I'll, I'll a little bit more than you asked for. But after work, I've been starting to go back to the gym now every good night. Good for you. Good for you. I get home. I, I live by myself. I'm single. Ladies, I'm single. <laughs> Um, I don't know how many single ladies listen to this podcast, but <laughs> you do you, they're man. They're going to start now. <laughs> no, um, anyways, uh, when I get home, I get I make food. And then, you know, sometimes I just don't feel like doing anything after that. And I started playing guitar again. I used to be in a band when I was younger, and and I kind of gave up on music for a little bit. Sure. Now I'm getting back into it. So I try to get a little bit of that in every night. And then I, I have a – I'm trying to go for a complete NES collection – I'm about 60 games away. There's 677 in a official NES library. And I am going through one by one and cleaning every single game so they're ready to play. And so every day I try to clean one game. And I deep clean them with our buddy Rob's special cleaning mm-hmm. solution. Rob's Rob's special Nintendo sauce. Yes, Rob's <laughs> creamy goo, folks. <laughs> Anyways, great stuff. Actually, Rob Patoka, he owns... Um, Start over games. I always want. That was close. You almost got it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he makes the stuff that cleans these games wonderfully. Um, 
I use it on everything. It's amazing. But, you know, I spent a half hour cleaning a game, and pretty soon it's like 9.30, man. I got to go to bed in a half hour to get up and go to work and do it all over again. So sometimes I'll get the itch to pop in a game for 10, 15 minutes. So I'll tell you what I played recently, the last yeah. few games I played for 10, 15 minutes. Somebody was talking about Tubin the other day on uh, Twitter. <laughs> Tubin. And I had that game back you know, when I was a kid. So I'm like, you know. Do you I, have Tubin now? Because that's a Tengen yes, card. It's a Tengen card. I do okay. like So I will say this. Unlicensed games, for the most part, are kind of, you know what I mean? A lot of them are. Very fair. But the Tengen games are actually pretty solid. Yeah. Which, which was a subsidiary of Atari. Yep. So they actually had some licenses to some really good stuff. And they were a, still a big player in the game at that point. So they were able to publish some really good stuff. I mean, they had um, Shinobi. Like, they got Shinobi on NES. It's wild stuff. Obviously, that version Sega of Tetris. stuff on the NES. You know, Alien yeah. Syndrome, Shinobi. Yeah. Um, Fantasy Zone. Yep, yep. Uh, Afterburner. So, I mean, yeah, they... Good stuff, actually. Tengen games are pretty good. Um, you know, Gauntlet was a Tengen game. I, I could go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh... So, Tubin. So, Tubin. So, I clean <laughs> Tubin. I pop it in, you know, and I'm like, all right, let's 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 play this game. Let's get serious about this game. And it's such a goofy game, but it's fun. It's an, It was originally an arcade game, if you're not familiar with it. And basically, you're like this 80s rad surfer-looking dude, you mm, know. Excellent. With his uh, gecko Hawaii shorts, if you know what I'm talking about. Love it. Um, and he's in this tube, and he's floating down the river, and he's trying to avoid all these obstacles like tree branches. Uh, guys pop out of bushes with guns and try to shoot you. <laughs> like and, what happens when you go tubing, yeah. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and crocodiles, you know, all that stuff. And you, you start out in, like, a beach you eventually get to, like, a jungle. Then you get to, like, some futuristic, like, toxic waste industrial area. And, and you can go down um, whirlpools and warp to different areas. It's it's a wild game. And you throw soda cans and stuff. So I've never been able to make it very far in the NES game. But I just I felt like getting that 15-minute fix. You know? Sure. So, well, a lot of those games, that's the thing about a lot of NES games, too, is you can play them in 15-minute bursts. Like, you don't have to sit down and commit. Like, I recently played Wild Arms for ps1 and i went through the whole thing because i added it to the ps5 library and it added trophies and everything so i went through and i played the whole game platinumed it but it was 36 hours it took me like three weeks <laughs> i'm like this sucks i wanted to play a game for five minutes and that's my problem is some of those new games just feel like work to me like it's a little intimidating to get started because like i want something to get in and out of real quick the older i am that's how i feel and so tubin was <laughs> it definitely got me in and out pretty quick I when I was a kid I don't remember getting very far in it, but I didn't invest much time in it. So I got to the second level, which is a jungle. First level is a beach. First level is pretty easy. Second level uh, is is the difficulty's amped up a, a bit more. And I thought, well, I'm a little older now. I'm a little more focused. I can get through this. Nah, nah. <laughs> I maybe made it three quarters of the way through the uh, second stage, and I lost all my lives and got a game over. So it, it, I'm sure if I really sat down and got super serious about it. I could get further, but that was that was it for me. And then I played a little bit of uh, Smash TV on the NES. Oh, sure. I cleaned that one. I don't think I've ever played the NES version. I had, I played the Super Nintendo version when I was younger, but I never played the NES one, I don't think. But. Super Nintendo version is very good. NES version is actually pretty solid. Okay. And the cool thing about the NES version is if you have a four score, you can plug in four controllers, and each person gets two controllers, and you put them sideways, and you use your thumbs – one thumbstick 
is for you to turn. The other thumbstick is the direction of your gun. Something so it's like a twin-stick shooter. Because you have the twin sticks in Yeah. Which you don't have that on the Super Nintendo. It's actually really neat. Interesting. And it's a solid. It's an acclaimed game, so that's another company that makes a lot of... They're a subsidiary of LJN. Um, and that's actually a really solid acclaimed game. But Smash TV has actually become one of my all-time favorite arcade games. It's a fantastic arcade game. It's based on The Running Man. The Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yep, yep. That makes sense, yeah. And it's just over-the-top, game show, wild. It's it's so cool. Well, um, you play for, like, prizes, right? So, like, at the end of a round, I'll be like, you won a vacuum cleaner. And I'm like, wave up and It's, like, so dumb. And then, like, there's a boss will come out that's, like, a giant head on, like, spider legs. <laughs> and you kill it. And then it's just like, hey, you just won a TV. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, thanks. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's kind of almost got, like, that... It's not Contra, but it's kind of got that camaraderie. You know, you and your buddy are your gunning stuff down. It's coming in just hordes, you know. Maybe it's more like Gauntlet than Contra. It's it's amazing to see how the the action movies of the 80s and 90s influenced the games then. Because it was that same sort of thing. Like, they were all buddy cop films or, you know, like, you know, these these awesome 90s action movies. And they, they made games. The art mimicked that, you know. It's kind of Over great. the top, man. Like, there's a movie called Over the Top, you know. Like, like, How come we never got an LGN game of Over the Top? I don't know, but we should have. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine that. the arcade game Over the Top. Cause remember those old arcade arm wrestling games? Sure. That would have been perfect. An Over the Top arcade <laughs> machine. And then it talked to you. And you had, oh, you know, Sly Stone. Or Sly, uh, I said Sly Stone. I almost said Sly and the Family Stone. Stallone, <laughs> Sly Stallone. Uh, you know, and, and then we'd have to have the graphics of like the arcade version of Punch Out. I'd be yeah. cool with that. You know, Re- really not really good pixel work. Cause I, like I would say, getting a little tangent here. So like Mike Tyson's Punch Out is, I think gameplay wise, one of the tightest games on the NES. Gameplay wise, phenomenal. Graphically, kind of looks like farts, you know, <laughs> like compared to its arcade counterpart. Uh, obviously, Punch Out in the arcade looked better, but I would argue the arcade game's not as good. There's something about the controls are super tight on the NES, which part of why I like it. But I mean, the arcade game is not as good, and it's it was designed to munch quarters. It, yeah, it's, it's, you exactly. Know, let's be honest with you, arcade games—they're fun for what they are, but a lot of them aren't really good games <laughs> if you think about right. it, because they're just made extremely hard to take your money. Yeah, and. You can really tell how good an arcade game is by how much you want to play it at home on like an emulator or something. Mm-hmm. Because a game, even a game like Turtles in Time, which is a super fun game, it's still a beat 'em up. That's what a twenty-five minute game. Like we just, my my brothers and I just beat Shredder's Revenge a couple weeks ago, and that game was super fun, and we beat it in an hour. I think we beat the whole game. So if I was playing that in the arcade, though, it probably would have taken me more than one trip to the arcade unless I was loaded with quarters, which I never was, being a very poor kid growing up. <laughs> so I had to make my money last. <laughs> As an adult playing that arcade game, I'll be honest with you, I can get through it with a friend in under 10 bucks, like maybe like five or six. Sure. And I'm not that good at it. Like I die a lot. Maybe I'm exact. Somewhere between 5 and $10 I can get through it, which as a kid I could never and I own the arcade one-up for that, as you know. And I'll tell you, when you take the quarter element out and you have free credits, that ruins the game too because it's just too easy. All I got to do is hit the button and I got more credits right. and I'm back in the game. So those, they're just not designed – I don't know how to quite say it. They're just not designed to be really good games. They're designed to take your money. Yeah, I, well, I think – no, you make a really good point though. The game's designed around the mechanic – of eating quarters so when they designed the game they made certain design choices 
that were fun in very short bursts. So you could have just as much fun. The early levels are super easy. Bosses are, are overly hard and have moves that have to hit you. You can't just skill-based dodge all of them. Uh, and then you get later in the game and everything starts killing you more, so you have to put more money in at the end of the game. So it, it is like that. You're totally right. Like The gameplay is absolutely dictated by what they were going for, which was to make money, which ironically is, or coincidentally, I should say, is essentially what microtransactions do now in modern games. It's kind <laughs> yeah. of the same idea. Like, they know they need to monetize this game beyond the initial purchase. Because if you think about that, like, now it was a little different back then because the arcade owners, of course, they bought these machines outright. But when they made the game, they had to make a game that the arcade people would buy so they could convince them that this game's going to make them money. You know, and a lot of times, especially in the 80s with arcade games, they would come out with like an upgrade board that sometimes would just increase difficulty or would add a level or two to try to keep old games People fresh. People beating it or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was like their way of keeping the industry fresh. But, you know, nowadays you have these games that are essentially the same way. They have a monetization scheme and they, they design the game around that monetization. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's funny how it's very similar to how it used to be. Same concept, they just adapted it for the times. Yeah. And the other thing is they made those arcade games aesthetically pleasing to kids. I mean, Turtle... Okay, the reason why... I'm going to say this. I'm going to make a bold statement Uh-oh. Here, Hot take coming, but boys. But truly, I truly believe that what I'm about to say is the honest truth. Almost everyone that has a top five or a top ten arcade list has Turtles in that top list. I like, think that's because fair. Because the turtles were just so popular and that game was so cool as a kid. Four player, you could play as each of the turtles. It was like living the cartoon. And the experience was, you know, maybe you and your brother or you and your cousin were at the arcade and you're playing it, but then two other people you don't know, hey, can I join you? They just pop their quarters and pretty soon you got four people playing and it's yeah. like, you don't know these people, but you're all having fun. Yeah. It was just, something about it can't be really replicated today. You got to be that kid in the early 90s. That game came out in 89. So we'll say early 90s, very late 80s. Mm-hmm. You got to be that kid back then to truly appreciate it for what it is. I feel like kids today be like, yeah, this is all right. You know, but it's right. not great. <laughs> yeah. But that, that cartoon was a cultural phenomenon. And that game was very aesthetically pleasing. It looked like the cartoon. It talked, even though the voices were off. It had the theme song and the intro. That was a big part yeah. of it. Oh, yeah. And in the side of the cabinet, the artwork's the music, a little tacky now. But yeah, the music was booming, too. Like, when you went to arcade and it was loud and you heard, yeah, when you heard that, you were just like, where is that machine? It was designed to pull you in from across the room, the light-up logo at the top. That's what those machines were. That's what the artwork was done, the music pull you in spend money on me yep you know which, which and that's fine that's that's that was how they were designed but no that that's a very fair point i think you made that uh that like that those arcade games were built to do that yeah, they were built to to the gameplay was built around that monetization i don't want to say gimmick but this the scheme essentially but and we got on a long tangent folks yeah <laughs> but, hey that's great man this is, this is a good conversation um because it kind of steers into what we were talking about anyway um, unless you have anything else you want to tell me that you were still playing. Well, what, what else did you chop? Pretty on? much those two games I played for about 15 minutes each just to kind of try some because I haven't played them in a while. And then lately I've really just been watching wrestling. All right. Um, you know, mostly AEW, but then a little bit of WWE. But my buddy just texted me over on the podcast. <laughs> and spoiler alert, I may be starting a wrestling podcast with my good buddy. Sweet. Um, but I'm not going to commit to saying we will yet because you never know. It's not a. But anyways, um, 
Vince McMahon just stepped down, you know, retired. Oh yeah, he's toast from the company. <laughs> and He'll be lucky if he avoids jail time. <laughs> Triple H assumed his position as now. I got to remember because I I always forget the different titles of the positions. Right, right. And people will burn me at the stake if I get it wrong. Um, he is now head of talent relations, and then Steph basically took over her father's position. And now, one of the worst parts about WWE was Vince McMahon and creative because they were literally all performing for one person him and he had the final say in everything and a lot of times they'd write a whole show and 10 minutes before the show would start he'd want it all rewritten he would change he would say this is what i want to do and then he changed his mind before and the writers hated it but they all wanted to please him so nobody said no to him sure it was a mess so now we've all been begging for this day because Vince McMahon is a little out of touch with his audience, I think. I think that's fair to say. He's old, you know. Yeah. Old people will get out of touch. And, it happens. Yes, and I think we'll be out of touch one day. He's kind of we're almost out of touch bit. now. <laughs> um, so this is like a glorious day for everyone. And la- like a week ago, they announced that they switched from PG to TV fourteen again, which they haven't been TV fourteen since two thousand eight. Right. So everybody's like, "Oh, we're gonna get more." real stuff we're gonna push the envelope a little bit again because it was kind of like watching a kid's show for a very long time very dumbed down my age group that grew up with wrestling in the late 90s was not enjoying it right i went to the product wasn't for us anymore yep exactly i outgrew the product i went to a i went to four wrestling shows last month um one aew show which was actually the best wrestling show i've ever been to and then three WWE ones. The last WWE one was a SmackDown in Minneapolis with one of my friends. And he turned and looked at me right during the show, and he goes, this has got to be the worst SmackDown I've ever been to. <laughs> he goes, Jeez. this is a kid's show. And I turned and looked to my left, and there's a kid just screaming his heart out. I'm glad he's enjoying it. But it just dawned on me right, right there. It was like an epiphany. Yeah, it is ain't for me right now. But that AEW show was all college kids up to, like, the age of 40. That was a demographic. There was hardly any kids there. So long story short, my buddy just said that Raw, this is the first, I believe the first show. Because we're recording this Monday night. Yeah, since it's live right now, that Vince is officially gone. Triple H is head of creative again. And Triple H and Shawn Michaels and Road Dogg were running NXT for the longest time, which was the developmental for WWE. And people were saying it was better than the main show, Raw and SmackDown. Then Vince McMahon said, I want you guys gone. I'm taking it over, like, last year or earlier this year. And when he did that, it totally ruined the show. They revamped how it looked, and everybody hated it. So now they're excited that Triple H has had a creative again because he did such a good job. So my buddy just said that Roman Reigns um, opened the show. I got to look at it again. He says, oh, man, Roman was great on Raw to start. So when he says it, because I trust his opinion very much because we think the same way about it. Sure. It must have been something good. So there's maybe we've got a wrestling renaissance. All right. Here. So I'm watching wrestling. I'm a big wrestling fan. I, I'm sorry if if you people, if you guys listening are not, I apologize about that uh, five-minute rant there. You know, you know, honestly, though, man, anything you're passionate about, when you speak passionately about it, people are entertained by that. So never apologize for that, man. And uh, the only thing I will ask you to do is just be mindful of the mic because I know she's getting a little quiet in there sometimes, watching the little lines sometimes. A little, I just want to make sure everyone hears your good takes. That's all. Okay. Um, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, dude, though, it's great. Um, I would love to get back into watching wrestling. I did watch a couple AEW things, and I was entertained. Um, I think there's some really talented people there. WWE, I don't know if I could ever go back unless something really changed drastically with the show. Um, I don't know. I guess and – and it's hard for me to sit down with a show for three hours a week, you know, um, and even a couple times a week, like five to seven hours 
I'd almost rather watch like scripted content, you know, like I'm watching, not that they don't have predetermined endings, but you know what I mean? Like, like television shows, you know, not, not wrestling entertainment. Um, I, I don't know. I'd love to get back into it. I loved it in the nineties and I'm one of those, you know, I'm one of those Monday Night War guys. Like it's when I started watching, so it's nostalgic for me. Like those 1998ers, as yeah, we call them. you know, I know. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm not a real that's gatekeeping fan. right there, folks. I don't like um, gatekeeping. But uh, but yeah, so I, I hope it's fun. But no, it's good, man. When you, like I said, when you're passionate about something, I you talk passionately about it. People love it, and I think there's a lot of crossover with video games and wrestling. I see that a lot. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people that listen to this, um, you know, enjoy that too. And, and you did make a good point. There is a lot of wrestling now too much wrestling it's work to keep up with it all there's so many different companies and if you're going to watch just both AEW and WWE alone three hours for raw one hour for i think it's one maybe it's two hours for nxt i don't follow nxt as what tightly but we'll say one i think it was one and maybe no we'll, we'll just say two we'll say it's two so it's five hours and then you got dynamite which is two so now we're at seven hours then you got rampage which is one that's eight and then you got smackdown it's two that's 10 <laughs> hours a week plus if there's a pay-per-view you right got three hours on top of that plus they got the pre-show the post-show a&e's got their own wrestling documentaries every sunday there's three new wwe based shows every night it's it's a lot it's yeah. a lot to keep up with and raw being three hours long is way too long they need to go back to two hours it's just it's hard they can't they don't have the content or the it's hard to say. I don't know if it's the roster or the writing or what, but they really have a hard time keeping my attention for three hours. Mm. SmackDown's a better show. So I totally get it, how it would just be hard for you to get into it today. I even, sometimes I struggle with it. I've been feeling that way with the length of old wrestling, though, too. I started to go back and watch some old WCW, and even that, I'm like, man, it's hard to get through a three-hour Nitro. Like, it's just, there's so much... And I'd love to fast forward, but then it's like, well, then why am I watching it if I'm not actually watching it? And so, like, it's taken me, like, three weeks to get through one episode of Nitro. So it's just it's not good. Um, hey, yo. But uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, if you ever want a guest on your wrestling podcast, I will I will hop on with you, and, and, and I, we can chat old, old school stuff. Um, but today we got some serious business to get to, Jack, because we're already a half hour in, and we haven't talked about the topic for the day, which is... Well, I guess the right way to play video games, question mark. Um, it is there a right way? Is there a better way? Is there a best way? And what kind of kicked this off was a couple of people I follow, and actually I respect both of them on Twitter, um, but a couple of people basically got into a little bit of a, a, a drama, I guess, if you want to call it something. Got a little bit of drama about what the best way to play almost like almost like what the issues are with the other way to play games so let me let me describe basically there's three schools of emulate or of a, of ways to play retro games so there's original hardware of course right that's what everybody plays and that's you take your old nintendo you hook it up to your tv through rf and you got snowy pictures and it's fine then you've got emulation which breaks into two branches you've got software emulation which is something like you know downloading snes x or snes 9x or whatever the emulator would be for super nintendo these days and you download roms or you have something called fpga which is hardware emulation uh and those are basically like you build these little mini computers but they don't use software emulation they emulate the actual hardware itself and so they also play roms but they play them accurate to how the hardware would play them 
as to where emulation often tries to fix some of the issues, almost runs things differently. There's usually input delay, depending on the device you use. You know, software emulation got really popular with, you've probably heard the term Raspberry Pi. Raspberry Pi is like a little mini computer, and a lot of emulators work on a Raspberry Pi. So people take these tiny, tiny microcomputers, they put them into little cases that look like little Nintendos or Super Nintendos and you know but if it's a weaker computer you notice input lag you notice issues if the if it's a cheaper computer it may not have like you know you're going to notice issues like that so anyway so the people I kind of follow um you know this was I think the original I think this was the dawn of the question it was someone uh on Twitter said so real question if hashtag Mr. FPGA which so FPGA like I mentioned is the hardware emulation Mr. is basically like a hardware fork of FPGA. If you've heard of analog, they make systems like the Mega SG and the Super NT. Those are FPGA hardware emulation systems. Uh, uh, specifically, though, this comment was, if Mr. FPGA is so good at retro gaming, why do people spend hundreds of dollars on modifying old consoles with RGB, which is component, basically, um, HDMI, etc.? Is it nostalgia, authenticity, preservation, not trying to create jam- uh, drama, just really curious the reasons because I have both. So first of all, this is kind of weird because he has both. So why why is he asking? Um, I think he was just trying to spark a conversation about it. Unfortunately, it didn't really spark a positive one. Uh, so someone I follow on Twitter, uh, at Voltaire, uh, he, so he mods hardware. Uh, he mods consoles. He puts like RGB mods into N64 systems, PS1s, and he basically makes your old retro consoles output, you know, through high def, sometimes with HDMI mods, sometimes with RGB mods, whatever. Uh, he said, he replies to this and basically said, he quote, subtweets it, quote tweets it and says, you know, because of the mister, despite the ongoing polish is emulation and an abstraction of real original hardware. So if you read that sentence, he's basically saying, despite the ongoing polish, which means he's saying it's not as good. That's his way. His, this is nice way of saying, Hey, you know, despite how good it is, it's not as good as original hardware. Um, and then goes on to say plenty of things don't run correctly. So basically taking a shot at at FPGA. And you could argue that he's not a fan of FPGA hardware because he himself mods consoles and he makes a living off of modding people's consoles and that's how he makes his money. So, of course, his school of thought is going to be, hey, I want to play... I, I want people to play on original hardware. Now, I mean... I guess before we get into anything else, Jack, we just want people to play games however they want. I don't care personally. Like I, don't, if if when I remember when you were streaming, you went way out of your way to make sure you played on original hardware. You went out of your way like to. I mean, and I've spent thousands of dollars over the years trying to figure out the best way I want to play them all. I bought the analog systems. I had those for a while. Now I've got a Mister. Um, I use the. Um, and I also use Emulation Station, which is all software emulation through RetroArch on my PC. I use that. You know, I don't really care how people play games as long as they play them. You know, and so so what I'll send to you is, how do you feel about people arguing over the best way to play? Well, there's no wrong way to eat a Reese's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before. I like that. You know, and you're absolutely yeah, right. There's was, no wrong way to eat a Reese's. That was an old like, ad from like the nine, <laughs> late 90s, I think. They had that ad campaign. I um, love that. But anyways... Uh, the question was, how do I feel about it, you said? Yeah, how, how, do you, how do you feel about people basically saying that one way to play is better than another way? Um, so, I think that's wrong. 
because different it's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like okay I'm trying to form it the best way I want to say this each different way to play is going to apply better to different people I guess that's what I want to say like like for example I'll give you an example I grew up in my old school games I love old school games it's one of my favorite things in the world and I want to go the extra mile to recapture the experience I had with, when I was a child to as authentic as I can get. So I'll spend the extra money and the extra cash to recreate that experience to the best of my ability. And and to me, in my opinion, to get the most authentic experience possible is to get a tube TV and hook up your NES or Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, whatever you like, any of those 90s and 80s consoles to a tube TV. And the reason I say that is me playing that way all the time, I notice if I'm using like an emulator or um, FPGA, I notice a slight bit of lag and it affects my gaming experience. Not everybody's going to notice that. Some people haven't played these games in 25 years and they just want to re-experience them. So when they plug these you know, FPGA consoles in or these emulation devices in or they use an emulator itself, they they aren't going to notice that. And they don't want to spend the money to buy all these cartridges. These cartridges are expensive. They're not cheap. It's, it's definitely not for everyone to access anymore. You know, it's not as easy for everybody to get into at this point. Maybe 15 years ago it was, but, you know, some of these prices are just obscene right now. So it's a way for everybody to get into it. That's what emulation is. So if that's the only way you can or it works best for you, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Me, I like it a little differently, but I'm I'm crazy. I'm a whack job. I'm out of the norm, you know. I'm a psychopath. Okay? So it's it's funny it's funny because I talk about this a lot with people. I think people are nostalgic for different things. So when I play an old game, I don't feel nostalgia for like the hardware and I certainly don't feel nostalgia for CRTs. I have no love for playing a game on a CRT um, as opposed to like this flat screen TV we've got in front of us here. Like I have, like, I just, I don't care. I don't care if I played on a flat screen and I'm playing through HDMI and it's perfect square pixels. Like I actually kind of dig that, how clean it looks. Totally optional, obviously. Other people feel differently. But some people, like I'm mostly nostalgic for the controller. So I could play on an emulator and as long as I have an NES controller hooked up to USB, I'd be just fine with that. Now, when I play a lot of games, though, I'm I'm easily able to adjust. I adjust really well to things like input lag. I notice that, and I can adjust. You specifically, because I've watched you beat Mike Tyson's punch out, impressively, I might add. Um, you know, that game in particular is nasty when it comes to single-frame actions. And what that means is oftentimes if you're punching or dodging a punch, you have a single-frame that you have to be on and dodge on. So that's that's a split second of perfection when you have to hit that moment. If there's a even a quarter second of lag and you hit that when you're supposed to, you're going to not hit it accurately. And so I know, that, you know, but for me, the nostalgia side of it is tied to controllers mostly because that's what reminds me. The graphics and the sound bring me into it. The controller seals the deal. But as long as I've got an authentic controller recreating that experience, like I'm pretty good with it. Now, that's, with that being said, unless it's a game that's very requires those specific 
frame hits because punch out is and i'll let you go more to detail this because <laughs> we were talking about this pre-show but this is right on um like punch out is like an extreme example of needing to be perfect um and if that had lag and it's noticeable it's unplayable especially at the later later levels i mean yes you'll beat all the way through probably king hippo and then you, you i think you said this and i would agree 100 percent. soda popinski's like the litmus test for input lag in that game like as soon as you get to him he's got those really deep punches left, he does that left that's just awkward he like ducks down like that's like the deepest uppercut i've ever seen and he does that and and you have just that hair of a second to dodge it but anyway so to you um just kind of talk about your experience with mike tyson's punch out when it comes to leg and input leg and stuff like that so mike tyson's punch out is definitely the exception um when it comes to the input like because the whole game is input you know the whole game is that timing that's it's all it is right, there's is no puzzle game. solving there's no <laughs> it's almost like the precursor to our guitar hero games and whatnot if you think about it it's like time it's a very simple game it's all timing Love it. It actually has become... Zelda used to be my number one NES game, but I actually think Mike Tyson's Punch-Out has taken the cake. It's an absolute banger, man. It's an absolute banger. I love that game. Now, to me, I have to experience that in Original Hardware. And I'll give my examples and I'll explain why. I was streaming it on Twitch one night, trying to impress my Twitch followers, mm-hmm. you know, trying to be that cool guy. I'm like, I could beat Mike Tyson, which I've done it several times off camera. And I'm like, okay, I can do this now. So I had a bunch of people watching, like five. <laughs> we'll hey, say five. I don't want to make it sound like I'm more some big. Z- it's more than zero. Rich star, because I'm not. <laughs> well, um, not yet. Not till you're on this podcast, buddy. Now you're gonna get <laughs> six watchers every time you hey, stream. Six, eight. At least it's not. At least I'm not losing any. <laughs> um, so I'm up there. I'm I'm playing my Tyson special. I got an AVS, which is very similar to the analog systems, which is running an FPGA, FPGA yeah. hardware. It's, it's, so it's it might have been the first one. Is is that I think seem so. accurate? Uh, yeah, so I've had, I had a retro uh, retro bit AVS yep. system for a long time. Yep. yep. And it's so it's set technically hardware emulation. So I'm running this through my uh, flat screen TV. I'm playing for almost two hours just trying to beat Mike Tyson over and over and over and over again, and I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm looking like a fool, and I feel like I'm letting everybody down. <laughs> and I'm like, just one more try, just one more try. I know I can do it, and I could not do it to save my life. So then. <laughs> I turned off the stream, and it's like midnight at this point. I'm pretty tired. I just pop in the NES just to give it a try. Did it the first try after probably about, you know, 200 tries of not doing it. And that told me something right then and there. I'm like, there is something to this input thing. And I'll give another example. The Switch Online, that has – now, I don't want to sound like a gatekeeper and elitist here. So I apologize if you like the Switch Online and it works for you. Great, it's it's a wonderful way to experience those games because you know it's 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 basically twenty dollars a year, you know, and it gives you you don't have to buy all the cartridges. It's right on your console you already own. It's great, yep. but it has some of the worst lag out of any of those type of clone emulators, anything like yeah. the clone systems emulators that I've ever played before. Because I've tried to play Punch Out on there and. I can't get past Soda Pop Pinsky, and he's actually my favorite fighter to fight. Yeah, <laughs> I love, once I get in a groove with him, it's so fun to fight him. Um, his left punches are a little awkward at first, but after you get in a groove, man, you just, I can go, I don't know what it is about fighting him, but it's just like, it's smooth, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, You just got his number, right? Like, basically, yeah. like you see it, it's you dodge, and you hit him, yeah, yeah. Um, But I could not beat him on the Switch. I just, I got my, 
I got my ass handed to me by him. And I'm like, this does not ever happen. And yeah, I just, that's my thoughts on it. That's when I've noticed that the lag is a big factor in it. So when I did it for our charity stream uh, last year, I think it was, right? Last Labor Day, yeah. Yeah, last Labor Day. I said, Rob, we got to have a tube TV and we got to have an NES. Because I always try to come up with something big for the main event of our uh our charity yeah, we're raising money for the, so so these guys also so just not to cut you off there but so uh rob at start over games and jack will team up because uh, they actually work together on a twitch and a youtube channel they'll team up for the extra life stuff to raise money like we do so it's really cool so that's kind of their event is they do like a labor day lock-in where they do a live stream from the store as they're closed on labor day and uh and so what jack's saying is like he sets up this really big event every year Yep, yep, and I don't know if we're doing it this year. Uh, I kind of talked to him, and it almost sounds like it's no-go. He's pretty busy. Um, oh, man, we got to do it. I want to, but I think he's he is a little overwhelmed right now. Um, he just bought a new house and everything. Yeah, saw so. that, saw that. Yeah, life life and work. I mean, and if, if he's getting extra trades like we are right now, I get it because it's been a hell of a season for selling. So we've been nonstop buying for like three weeks. It's just been It's just been relentless. So I try to come up with something big for the main event all the time. So I thought, you know, there's all that hype about beating Mike Tyson. And you know what I mean? You know the hype. Mm-hmm. He is infamous. He's got a reputation for being challenging. If you could beat Mike Tyson, it's a big big deal It's like to a NES badge of honor, definitely. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to do it. But I'm going to do it like I've never done it before. I'm going to run the table. I'm going to run the gauntlet. I'm going to go right from the beginning, every fighter, all the way up through him. Now I have more experience with... Mike Tyson than I do with um, Super Macho Super Man. Macho Man. Yep. He throws me off. I find Super Macho Man's actually harder than Mike Tyson, but I, I think I'm alone in thinking that. But <laughs> well, <sighs> I don't. I actually disagree. Okay. I think Mike Tyson is harder, but um, Mike Tyson follows more of a pattern that Super Macho Man does. Super Macho Man has more variety, I think. He changes it up yeah. a little bit. Um, his spinning punch is just, you never know how many times he's going to do it. But that's a whole other discussion altogether. <laughs> um, so I tried to come up with like something for this main event. So I'm, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to run it all the way through. I said, but in order to do this, we got to have a tube TV and we got to have an original NES. This has got to be authentic. So we grabbed a little tube TV that didn't even have um, composite. So we had to run an RF adapter into that, and then we had to split. We had to run the composite into the um, upscaler into our capture card. Sure. So, so you were running dual AV and RF out of that Nintendo. Yep. Your, your NES was cooking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing this, and um, I'm doing really well. The, fir- the one fighter that throws me a curveball every time, he's the wild card, I call him. And it's going to sound so funny. It's Don Flamingo. Sure. But not the first Don right. Flamingo fight. The second one. That Adam Sandler looking son of a bitch. <laughs> well, the first time he's got the gimmick. The left, yeah. right, left, right gimmick. Um, and so, like, yeah. And so, like, basically, and he stays down when you knock him out that way. So, like, it, it, Don Flamingo, if you don't know, like, you alternate left, right, left, right, left, right. And, like, you can beat him all the way like that. And then he stays down. Really easy fight once you know the trick. But the second time you fight him, it doesn't work. And he's more annoying with the taunting. And so you have to punch and take blocks, and then you're constantly, like, tired from blocking too much. He blocks all the time. Then once you're tired, he starts throwing his left jabs, and his jab is awkward. When he starts throwing, you're slower when you're tired, 
and is he does like a weird like pause and then goes. It's like this weird like yeah, it's like just yeah, like he shows you his forearm and he just goes oh oh, it's really strange. It throws me off all the time. It is like my Achilles. So, anyways, I made it through him, so I knew it was gonna be a good night. We got Super Macho Man. He did beat me. So then I had one more opportunity. If I lost again, I was done. Right. So you had to go back, right? Because then if you lose, if you lose once. That's right. You get to rechat. You get a rematch. Did I have to fight Sandman again? I feel like if you lose once, you, you get to rematch. But if you player. lose again, you have to go back to like, um, you have to go back to Piston Honda. I'm second pretty fight. sure there's something weird with Tyson. If you lose, you have you don't get a second chance. Something weird like that. Anyways, I think if I lost one more time on Macho, I was in trouble. I think I might have gotten a game or something weird like that with that fighter. I don't remember. But I know that I lost once to him, and he's the only one I lost to. So I'm like. This is it. I got to use this. It's got to be clutch. So I did beat him. I got the, and I did forget about this little factor. Rom had a power pack, so that's a um, that's another way to kind of emulate things. Yeah, it's like an EverDrive. Um, it's like yeah, power packs another type of EverDrive, which is basically a cartridge that has a memory card slot in it, and then you have ROMs on that. So it's like a you make your own multi cart, which essentially is another form of of emulation. Essentially, so it's it's. Yeah. And we did it that way because we weren't going to have all these carts available to just pop any old game in. You know, it works out better. And we were having people request games and stuff like that. It just, it, there. I don't feel the least bit bad about that. That was the best way to do it. So, but his ROM for Mike Tyson's Punch-Out wasn't working. It was acting goofy. So I had to do the Mr. Dream version. <laughs> so Tyson still eluded me. Even though Mr. Dream is the same fight, right. he's just reskinned. Um, I fought Mr. Dream. And I got so nervous through that. And then you chimed in, and you're like, you didn't think I was going to be able to do it. So, I, well, I'm not, I won't say that. But, you know, sometimes <laughs> you need a little bit of fire, a little bit of emotion. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a motivating friend. So, uh, so it I was just, pretty epic. I, you know, it's for the kids, right? So what did I say? How much did I throw in if you beat? If you, beat? you said, you said, I'll give you 100 bucks if you beat them. I'll right. put 100 bucks towards a charity if you beat them. And I'm like, all oh, the pressure's on. I felt even more pressured. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just smoked them out, and I cut a really great promo. It was epic. Oh, it was great, man. And that was like the end of the day. That was such <laughs> a good – oh, it was so good. Um, so when you were talking there, that actually really – you brought up a couple really good points that I want to touch on. And yep. part of the uh, popularity of emulation is ease of use. The Switch Online is totally emulation. Same thing when I was talking about how I beat Wild Arms 1 earlier on the PS5. That is also emulation. Like, that's how you play these retro games on a modern hardware. They're not, like, retooling the game to, you know, you no, they're using software to pretend it's a PlayStation, and then it works. Um, and so that's, you know, it's ease of use, uh, which is great. Switch Online, though, of, yeah, terrible input lag on that, especially when you add in a couple other factors. If you get their official wireless controllers, Bluetooth. that adds another layer. Then you get a TV that maybe doesn't have a game mode. You got another bit of input lag there not to mention you've got the software so like if you have multiple things adding to the amount of like latency that you're going to have you're going to have it even worse and so there's a lot of different things can add up to that um i'm actually very curious one time we should play mike tyson's punch out on the mister and i'm curious if you'll notice input lag on that because people feel like that is perfect but i i wouldn't know the difference on mike tyson i mean i was just playing like Zelda 2 and everything felt good I didn't feel like when I was jumping it was delayed or when I was slashing it was delayed like it all seemed to work but you know doesn't mean that it was um but yeah so emulation in itself is an ease of use thing if there was a lag free Netflix type option to play these retro games people would pay a monthly fee for it 
Like, they just want to be able to do it easily. Uh, and Nintendo, thankfully, is doing some. Sony's doing some backwards compatibility. But for the most part, it's kind of, I don't know, it's 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 just convenient. And most humans were like lazy creatures, and we just want convenience over accuracy, I think, most of the time. Um, so as we're going down, you know, you've got, you've got this kind of attack essentially on, um, FPGA a little bit. And then of course, you know, it just basically brings, you know, somebody who makes misters. So mister again is the hardware that is FPGA. So it's just like, it is like a little mini computer, but what it does is emulates an actual Nintendo but it does all the systems together an analog system like you can buy an analog super nt or a mega sg that works specifically to be like a genesis or super nintendo the mister has cores you add to it and it basically can be anything you want it to be up to a certain extent um and then you know so then somebody and actually this is the person i bought my mister from on twitter um let me uh let me kind of unread this whole thing because there was there was kind of a back and forth that was kind of like it was it was annoying to me where is it gonna be here um man because it said something like where is it here okay so the the mr add-ons guy on twitter just said you know it's been hard to ignore mister for a while now though it's not for everyone for example if you enjoy latency and crossbar menus it might not be for you which so now he's attacking software emulation saying that yeah you know the mister's so great these things are awesome which again he makes them he profits from them so it's hard to like you know take it too seriously when he profits from that and then voltaire then responded to him with something like you know another shitty take putting down a completely viable form of emulation software emulation can be extremely accurate Software emulation can be configured to remove overhead that generates latency. The Mr. The Mr. community needs to stop with this snobby gatekeeping shit, which, which, I mean, yes, but ultimately, so I think the point of what I wanted to get to more than anything was the word emulation when it comes to retro gaming is like a dirty word for some reason. And it kind of pisses me off because there is very good emulation. If you have a really strong PC and you're not just trying to make the smallest, tiniest little Raspberry Pi, then you can have a strong computer emulating and the emulation will run very, very well. And there's steps you can take to minimize latency. Um, and then, um, you know, and then I think the Mr. Add-ons guy just said like, oh, this is just Voltar being Voltar, expect nothing less. So now he's attacking the guy who is going against what he says. And, and, and that's where I stepped in. And I said, hey, guys, I respect both of y'all's work. Can we squash this? Uh, I don't like the beef. Can we squash it? Mostly I was joking because I really don't they care. They both turned it. on you then? Yeah, I don't really care. <laughs> you would think. You would think. Um, no, but let me let me get to that part of the thread. It I'm really, curious to see. It, it was. It's a joke because, like, I mean, I don't really care. I actually muted the thread because a bunch of ding-dongs were just replying to it. Not that they did anything bad. It's just that, um, it's you, just that like, it was a lot of dings. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just kind of. You know what I'm thinking about now? The only thing I can think that? about when you wanted to squash the beef here, I'm thinking about the Michael Jackson music video, Beat It when he comes up to the two guys that are fighting and he puts his hand on each of their shoulders and he's like trying to get them to like <laughs> put their knives down. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> beat it. <laughs> I just picture you. No one wants to be defeated. Let's calm down. Let's calm down. You got your, got your red jacket on, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Greg's doing all the dance moves. So, <laughs> 
So then, yeah, so I appreciate both y'all's work in the scene and hate seeing the beef. Can we squash it? Which that's not terminology I typically use. So I don't really like, I was just mostly, you know, jerking around. Like, I mean, I, I don't want them to fight because I do respect both of what they do. And I think they both have a place in the retro community. But it just, you hate when you see two people that like essentially you respect, like kind of going at it. Um, and, I see uh, that one guy commenting underneath it, almost making you sound like you weren't picking up on their sarcasm. Right, which was not accurate. That was because they weren't being sarcastic. They weren't. No, like, they were legitimately they were, arguing they were, about it. That was real. It, yeah. Like, um, that was but, a shoot, folks. Yeah, it, <laughs> most definitely. Um, and then it was, uh, you know, and then there's, of course, then people show up to just trash Voltar because he's got people who don't like him and the work he does uh, and back and forth and. Uh, why is everybody so passionately divided about something so silly? Well, and and that's ultimately what I wanted to talk about here. You know, it wasn't just to like share this internet drama. It was like, why are we, you know, like who cares ultimately? Like just play how you want to play. But as a society, we've gotten to a point where like it's the term gatekeeping, right? Mm-hmm. And it's very accurate. Like the retro gaming community, like any community is just as bad about it. You know, it's, there's only one right way to play. And there's a difference between what you do and what they do and when you're saying hey to me what i'm nostalgic about is x y and z i play on original hardware on a crt i play it my way that's how i like to do it but you're not taking the next step which what they do which is i'm you know if you play that way you're not a real retro gamer which anybody who listens to podcast knows like i i really hate the term gamer i just i hate even throwing it around like as a joke but you know I'm using it to help everyone else understand the situation. But yeah, they, they act like you're not a real gamer because you play on emulator. So like, like I was saying earlier, the emulation has become like this weird, dirty word. Um, and so, but as a society, we keep doing that. Right. And then the gatekeepers start gatekeeping other gatekeepers. Cause everybody's got to be like better. Right. Cause it starts off. And again, not, I don't, this isn't you cause you don't feel this way, but like, You've got the gatekeepers who are like, I only play in original hardware. Like, well, I only play in original hardware and on a CRT. Well, I only play with original hardware on a CRT hooked up through RF because that's how it was. You know, like, and again, if they want to play that way, that's fine. But there's this weird sort of arrogance, like, I'm better. Um, it's the same thing, like, with game collecting. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, I, I collect. I've got 3,600 games in my collection or something. And then, you know, someone else will be like, well, I have you know, 3,700 games, but mine are all X, Y, and Z. Mine are mint or mine are complete or whatever. You In other know? words, my retro game dick is bigger than your exactly. retro game dick. Like, like, it's a pissing contest. It's, but it's everything we do, right? So it's not surprising. Yeah. It's just annoying. And so this is the same thing. It's just, well, you know, and again, though, people that profit from it, of course they're going to think their way is best. You know, the guy who mods consoles is going to say the best way to play is with on a modded console. The guy who makes hardware emulator is going to say hardware emulation is the best because I make money off of that. And there's people out there. I don't think anyone really makes money off of software emulation, unfortunately. But there are people out there who would, if they were people out there who benefited from that, they would tell you software emulation was the best. Um, and I think part of the issue is that some companies have been a little shady with how they define emulation. Like Analog, for instance kind of goes out of its way to say they're not emulation when that's not accurate but they have to i think they essentially do that because they're trying to stand out from downloading nestor on your pc you know like it's not the same what they do is not the same but 
to be it's disingenuous to say it's not emulation because it is it's a different form of emulation that's better and more accurate still emulation and they're probably thinking that emulation is a dirt that dirty word again too they want to avoid that you know i'm going to to a wrestling comparison. I'm going to try not to veer too far <laughs> off the topic here because I have a tendency to do that. And I'm, I'm new to the podcast game. So that's kind of part of my um, inexperience with it that I'm sure. going to get on a ramble. Hey, but, it happens. I Anybody who listens to this knows I go on tangents. I went on a tangent on the last one, so don't worry about it. There's a set of <laughs> words that when Vince McMahon was in charge of WWE that they were not allowed to use. They couldn't call championships belts. They couldn't use the word hospital. They had to use medical facility. Silly stuff like that, okay? But it's all about the image he's trying to portray. We're trying to uh, get away from this or get away from that. I don't like that word. Well, maybe that's the same thing with analog. They're trying to get away from that word because they don't like it. But analog is, like as you said, they are the apple of this whole thing. Right. They are trying to be the high end, and they go way out of their way to be fancy and high end with their boxes, with how it looks. I mean, the aluminum casing of the nt mini so it wouldn't surprise me that they try to you know stand above that dirty word mm-hmm. um and, and they make great products like i so i was a little skeptical about purchasing them to begin with because i think i talked to you about it and it wasn't because i'm an elitist gatekeeper gatekeeping retro gamer that was like oh, i can't use something that isn't original i need the authenticity i would I would love to find a perfect way to play my games on a new TV. I'll be honest with you. Because mm-hmm. it's convenient. It's a convenience thing. I do the tube TV and the original Nintendo because I'm recapturing that old experience, and that's what those games were designed to be played on. They were designed for tube TVs, and the system was. So it plays the best on that. However, these tube TVs aren't going to be around forever. These consoles are going to shit the bed someday. Let's, you know... I want to still experience my original cartridges. I want a newer way to do this on a new TV because new TVs aren't going anywhere. You know, they're, they're here now. You know, they're going to be, I'm sure we'll have something different in a few years, but I think. It'll be like like those things you just roll out like it's flat. It's like you roll it out. Like, have you seen those? Like where it rolls out. It's no. like a display that rolls up like a roll of paper and you just unroll it and it's a display. <laughs> it's just going to be wild in the future. I mean, hopefully HDMI doesn't go anywhere anytime soon. Well, right, exactly. That's how we hook this shit up. Exactly. But, Wireless broadcasting as latency. I want the perfect way to experience these games moving forward. So that's what I was looking at the analog systems for. And also, I also don't want to always go in the game room and play. Maybe I want to play in my living room. So the analog system, my first thought was, okay, what's the lag? Because I've played things with lag and it just ruins the whole experience for me. Like an example I told you in our conversation we had a uh, couple days ago. Super Mario Brothers to me is one of the tightest controlling games ever. That game, if you die in that game, it's usually your fault. Um, now, I think I was playing Super Mario Brothers 2, which has pretty tight controls as well, on the ABS. No, it was an NES Mini. And I th- I usually make it through that game, you know, pretty, pretty e- not, not super easily, but don't struggle with it too much. Sure. I made it to World 4. And I was just slipping off of edges left and right. I couldn't like stay on anything. It was like I was on ice. Like I was playing an ice level. Con- and, and level four is an ice level. Maybe I should rephrase. I think it was level five actually. I think it was the one that's nighttime in the background. That's level five. Um, but it felt like I was playing on level four because it felt like I was on ice. It just like I couldn't get. I couldn't accurately 
like measure out my jumps or anything. It was so out of whack. And I'm like, I knew something was off. So I turned it off and went and played my NES. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing this here. There's something with this. Night and day difference, yeah. I don't, I want something with zero lag that works on a new TV that is as authentic as possible. So I did purchase some of these analog consoles after talking to you. I have the um, Super NT and I have the Mega SG. And I haven't noticed anything with it really. Now, Chemtris, the one who designed those systems, I think that's how you pronounce his name, he claims that the Super NT runs at 60 hertz and the original SNES runs at 60.8. So it's technically 0.8, like whatever, slower. So they... They basically put it in the perspective as this. It's so minute you won't notice it. If you played for 10 minutes, you're one second behind an actual SNES. Sure. But you're not going to notice so it. So just these crazy fractions of a of a split second. Yeah. And, you know, so to me, it, it works. It does its job. Um, you know, it's not an original hardware console. And it's not it's emulation, but it's not full on software emulation. It's like a hybrid. It's an in between, and it works for me. And I think it'll work for a lot of people as well. Um, well and you know, it's kind of what I was saying earlier about um, what makes you nostalgic. Part of your nostalgia is popping a cartridge in, and so they they feed that need for that. Like I don't really have an attachment to that. I don't really care. Like I'm okay with. Although I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I'm okay with like an EverDrive loaded with games. Pop in one game and never take the card out. But then you run into things like what I call the Netflix effect. where Can't decide what you want to play. Can't decide what you want to play. You look at what you could play for like hours and then eventually you play one game for five minutes and when it pisses you off, you go, I got hundreds of other games to play. I'm not going to get pissed off. And so then you move on to something else as opposed to where if you pop a cartridge in, sometimes if you know you have to get up and pop another card in, get another card off the shelf, you're going to give that game a little more time. So there is definitely something to be said for that. But... Um, yeah, I like the analog systems. You know, I, I think they're, I mean, I don't want to say they're overpriced, but you're paying a premium for stuff and they are trying to be like Apple where they have all this fancy packaging and they have a very like, they don't ever respond on like social media to anybody. <laughs> they don't ever talk. And then all of a sudden you won't hear anything from them for six months and all of a sudden they'll put a tweet out. Now they're working on the OS for the analog pocket, which is like, they've got this custom firmware that they've been making or this operating system, I should say. So like, but they don't talk about it for six months. They don't mention anything about orders, delays, shipping times. They just all of a sudden come out after six months and say, July 27th, we're going to have a video on this or something. You know, and so they're just, it's just who they are. It's what they do. Um, so they're, they're kind mystery. of an annoying company. Yeah, Mysterious. they're kind of an annoying company pretty much. But um, but what I do want to talk about uh, before we wrap this all up too is that I love emulation for one big reason um, is uh, Japanese translations. So I love RPGs. I collect RPGs. It's like Japanese RPGs are one of my favorite, like it's my favorite genre probably. And I just absolutely love it. I especially, and I love Japanese culture. And so one thing that I love, especially on PlayStation one, I love buying Japanese RPGs that never came out over here. And then what you can do since you're playing on emulation, what I can do, I can download a patched ISO that's in English of a game that never was in English here. Someone did all the legwork, a translate, a fan translates it and I can play that game in English. 
it's just like the, the idea that we get to play games we never had any chance to experience back in the day is so awesome and that's only available through emulation there's and well i shouldn't say that sorry there are people actually voltaire is one of them he's actually taken super nintendo carts pulled the chips off replaced them with translated eproms eproms are rewritable computer chips if you don't know and he flashes the the game back onto the chip but patched with the jet with the english translation but then and this is the, we, we talked about this a little bit in the pre-show but then it gets to the to the point of is it the original game then because you just took your japanese cartridge and you decimated it <laughs> i mean you basically swapped the crucial parts inside to make it work and if it's you know again if you do it who cares i mean if it makes you happy do it but like if you did it so that you could say i have an english copy of this game is, is it really even the original game at that point you, you know it's the same thing with the hardware like if you mod the hardware like voltaire mods these old nintendo's supers with like rgb out you basically you're putting a, a chip in that's that's cleaning up the signal and outputting the signal differently and and if you do that are we are you then getting the nostalgia of playing it on its original hardware you know like you said part of the nostalgia for you is the crt and all that stuff so there's a time when you want to play because obviously for streaming and for youtube videos and stuff you need an easy way to record that's going to record a clean clear picture but and it's easy to, it's easy to do that with that stuff but for you part of the nostalgia was playing on a crt and playing with old hardware it's just such a it's such a weird thing to be upset about because there's like you were saying right away when we started there's so many positives to each way you want to play i could i could make an argument for why each one of them is the best well i could too because it depends on your situation like you said you were 100 percent right with that it's 100 percent situational if you're broke and you have no money and you have a laptop that's even crappy laptop you could get software emulators and download roms and have a great time playing games and you should like i've said that on the podcast a million times even when I talk about like the prices of games going way too high. I say it all the time. Like if you can't afford to buy games, emulate them, just play them. I don't care if like the only people profiting off these game sales now are resellers like myself. So yeah, I want to make money on that. But if you don't buy it, somebody else will, if you can't afford to buy it, I don't think that should mean you don't get to have it. I'm fine with that. I'm cool with that. I, I don't, I don't lose any sleep at night. As long as when you have the money for it, you like, like, I guess what irritates me about people who emulate only is when they act and i guess it's like anybody but when they act kind of stuck up about it oh you have a hundred games in yourself oh i have a thousand on this cartridge like well yeah you do but you know and then of course we get defensive right away so we're like well well i've got the actual cartridges so but you have to try not to be like offended by what they're saying because th- again there's no wrong way to do it it's the only thing wrong is being arrogant and an asshole about it do you think that's like insecurity that creates that or jealousy yes. yeah yeah that somebody's like oh i wish i could have all those carts or afford that but i can't so i'm gonna say this snark comment because i'm an emulation only it, guy and pick this fight with this other guy and it's gonna turn into a whole big spiel whole big thing that's a great question uh yes i do think that or or i think it's just that superiority thing they have to have a one-up on you somehow so they find a way to be one up on you and their way to be one up on you is if they have all original carts and you emulate, it's because their one up is they have carts. If they emulate and you collect cartridges, their one up is that you wasted all this money and I didn't. You know, every every not and not everyone obviously, but people, so many people just feel like they have to win. 
right? It's not a competition. You know, no. like when I collect, and that's what makes me like one of the things I see around here that really frustrates me is when, you know, you talk to somebody and it's almost like they talk about how their collection is the best. They're winning. They've got this. They've got that. And I'm like, I don't, I, I mean, humble brag, I guess. I blow every one of those collections away. My collection, I don't think there's a customer I've ever had here that has a more valuable, better collection than mine. But I don't go around telling people that. And I know I just said it here on the podcast, but I don't go around like We just bragging. said it to make a point. Yeah, you know? I, I, don't, I don't go around bragging to people that come in here and they're like, oh, yeah, I just got GameCube and 10 games. I really love my collection. Like, Pfft. 10 games oh my god dude i've got three thousand games like, but there you know. are people that do that totally and, and it's, it's so terrible annoying. it's so annoying it's like let the guy have his moment and enjoy it quit dimming other people's shine you yeah. know well and they always say that it's in everything but it's you know don't compare your lows to someone else's highs and that's what i think a lot of people do you know they, they look at and like i get that a lot because i work in a game store and so people will say stuff like you know, oh, man, you must have the best job in the world. Like, my job sucks, man. I change oil all day. I'm dirty. I come home. I hate it. And you get to, you know, have a game store. I'm like, okay, that's that's fair. I love my job. But it's work, and I still mm-hmm. do a lot of work, and I'd still rather be at home. Like, I always say that. Like, it's still a job. I don't. You'd always rather be doing something else on your own time. It's just we all have to have a job. And, and honestly, have have a job. some people might not like this stuff as much if they have to be around it all day. Yeah. Or they're, they're just not built to be, you know, they're, some people just aren't built – to, to do it and I think you're right a lot of people when you talk to them about this stuff they actually like it ruins the hobby for them almost because you're so close to it all the time and I'll admit when I go home playing games isn't the first thing on my mind and sometimes I'll get wrapped into a game and I'll totally be into it and I still love playing games but most of the time I get home it's watching TV or something else because I'm just you're burnt man I feel the same yeah, way I, all I do I mean I do a podcast about games I stream games occasionally play games and you know <laughs> and I sell games and I buy games and I clean games. Like my whole identity is kind of wrapped up in that, which, uh, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, I don't want to say it's embarrassing, but it's, you know, it, it, it's just like, I, I don't, I don't want to be known for one thing my whole life. But then I think, yeah, what else could I do? Well, you know what I've wanted to do, Jack? I've always wanted to make a game. <laughs> it's like, well, Jesus Christ, everything That's I want to do back is to the games again. video game related, you know? And, and, and it is because I, I love it. And, of, and it's the one thing I'm good at and I've been doing it for a long time. So of course I'm going to stick with it, but it's kind of like. Jesus, man! Like I've definitely picked, <laughs> I picked a path. <laughs> well, with this whole topic of talking about different ways to play games and what suits you and what's what we enjoy, what, what which way we like more than others, which way is right or wrong, you know, the whole debate we've been talking about. What's the main reason why any of us even play these old games? Hopefully, it's, to have fun. <laughs> it's to have fun, maybe re-experience our childhoods, or introduce our children to that stuff. You know, like take them back. Hey, this is what it was like when I was a kid. It, it comes down to having fun. And one of the things I like about playing these old games is, well, for one, re-experiencing my childhood, discovering games for a console that I wasn't able to play back then because my parents weren't rich. And, you know, or, or even games that didn't come out here. Now I'm experiencing a game for the first time on yeah. this. You know, it, it's it's like, it's kind of like an adventure in a way. You know, it's... To me, that's what I like. What, what music's going to play on this screen? What's the screen going to look like? Like, when I was a kid, I was always fascinated with, like, the final levels in games because there's that Doom music. Like, <laughs> like the last level in Super Mario Brothers or the last level in Zelda. You know, that stuff was cool as a kid. You know, it really set that tone, that mood. 
And the other thing I like is I just like talking to people about games. I like sharing the experiences. I like it takes me back to when I was on the school bus or on the playground and we were sharing secrets about these games because we didn't have the internet. We had maybe Nintendo Power and that was it. But, you know, there was all those rumors on the playground. Oh, you know, if you do this, uh, you know, Scorpion and Sub-Zero this. You know, it was, you know, <laughs> yeah. Mortal Kombat was notorious for yeah. being one of those games. But it was just, that was what it was like, man. Well, it's like, and uh, oh, yeah. I love yeah. about it. And that's what it comes down to. Enjoy it any way you can and what works best for you. Don't worry about what these snobs on the internet are telling you what the right way to play games is. There is no right way. Your, actually, I should say there is a right way. It's your way, as you said, you know. And I'm laying the smack down on those Dude, people. I, I can't say it any better than that. That's all I got. <laughs> um, yeah, man, no, it's a great conversation. I appreciate you coming on to, to chat about it. As soon as I was going to cover this topic, I'm like, I know one person who could who could really – like hit the notes on this in a way that I could too. And that was you, man. So I, I appreciate you coming out. Um, the last thing that we do as a tradition on this podcast usually is we talk about our pickup pile of the week. So in the last couple days or week or so, have you? what have you been putting into the collection? What have you been buying? You know what, Greg? I haven't bought anything in a while, and I'll explain. But I, I do have something. Because you're saving. It's been a couple weeks. It's been a while. <laughs> Um, I stole that from Pat Tianius Punk. Sorry, I love that song, and I, every time I, every time he does that, every time I say that phrase now, mm-hmm. I have to like use it. You don't have to feel bad. <laughs> he stole it from um, Stained. So, <laughs> anyways, um, I am trying to go for a complete NES collection, and like I mentioned earlier, I'm 60 carts away, and so a lot of times, I. I have a lot of Super Nintendo. I have a decent amount of Super Nintendo games and Sega Genesis games too. I cherry pick for those systems. So I usually pick out like specific titles. Um, And now it's hard for me to find something that I need or really want when I go to the game store. I come looking like I want to spend money, but I just don't see something I don't have or that I need. Especially for NES. It's really hard slim pickings right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, as you mentioned, I am saving because... I'm not gonna give say who, but because because it's who, competition who, at this point, who? you have to wait till you buy them before you say where you're gonna get these. Somebody, somebody, <laughs> has a huge NES lot of 718 unique titles. It's not Greg. Spoiler alert! It's I wish. not Greg. I wish that's gonna be going up for sale very soon. Can't say when. I know when, but I can't say when. Um, it's not my news to give out, but I have been given a tip on this, and. I'm going to try to gather as many of those carts that I don't have for my collection. So I'm super saving right now because I was only given about a month's notice on it. However, I think the last thing I picked up was from you, Greg. Mm-hmm. I believe I picked up Final Fantasy V for the PlayStation 1. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the anthology. Is it anthology or is it... Um... Anthology had four and five. Okay. And then Chronicles was 6 and Chrono Trigger, I no, think? No, I think 5 and 6 were on 1, and I think Chrono Trigger and 4 were on 1. You know, I don't remember. And one of them's Anthology, and one of them's something. Chronicles ah. is the other Chronicles, one. yeah. Chronicles had Chrono Trigger for sure, and I thought it was... It's 4 and Chrono Trigger. 4 and Chrono so Trigger. So I got, I got the other one. I yeah. got the one disc, though, because you only had the one disc, which was fine. So it was just I, 5 by itself, yeah. Because I have 6 for the Super Nintendo, so which, 5 was the one I wanted to play. Which was neat, because in Japan, like it was cool that we got those collections, but in Japan, they straight up got individual games of Chrono Trigger on PS1, Final Fantasy, 4, 5, and 6 were all separate. And... So I bought that because I've always wanted that. I like the old Final Fantasies. Like 
I think the last one I really played seriously was seven. I tried ten back in the day, mm-hmm. and I too many cut scenes for me. I just you know didn't want to watch a movie, wanted to play a game. <laughs> so um, I picked up that, but I haven't popped it in yet. That was one, and then I think the last NES game I purchased was a game I didn't even get a chance to play yet because I haven't cleaned it yet. But Bard's Tale, sure, sure, um, little red cart that cost me about thirty bucks. And then I think everything else I bought was at Midwest back in April. Yeah. We got um, we did get, we got a we got a label swap for you, which was nice. Oh yeah, that's right. Because uh, we you're 1943, and I think um, Smash TV. Yeah, so, that's why I played which, Smash TV. <laughs> which Smash TV? Uh, so the late like those carts by Acclaim had used this like shitty glue. I don't know where they because they were Nintendo made. Um, so I don't know if Nintendo at the end there was like, we have manufacturing facilities in different countries. If you, cause it was all like acclaim carts were all like that. So I wonder if like acclaim went to Nintendo and said, Hey, what's the cheapest we can get these carts? And they're like, Oh, we have a manufacturing plant in whatever country. I know with super Nintendo, they would re-release the games made in Mexico as opposed to made in Japan. And the made in Mexico ones have, do not have a seal sticker over the label. So the labels are shittier, and the booklets were black and white instead of in color. But I don't know if that was the same for the NES games or not, but I'm sure it was a similar situation. They just had a plant or a factory somewhere that made cheaper carts. Every one of them, the glue bleeds through the label, looks like complete dog shit. Um, it's all every single looking. one, dude. It's like crazy how, how every single cart you see like that looks bad. It's crazy. And I guess, story, from my understanding these companies bought the carts directly from Nintendo. So the plastic shells came from Nintendo. Oh, okay. Um, it was part of Nintendo trying to control the market big time. Right. You, you can only make so many games a year, and you have to. Per- but if you're going to make a game, you have to purchase at least X amount of cartridges from us. So you had, they had to purchase. If they were going to put out a game, I think the rule was, okay, then you got to buy 50,000 shells from us or something like that. It might have been 10. I don't remember, but it was something like hmm. that. Um, so they bought the shells from them. Now the labels... Who knows where those had to come from? That's a really interesting. Okay, yeah. But even if you look at some NES titles, I'm going to get a whole topic of this. But I was telling you the other day, I've got some Acclaim carts that... Because the, on the back of the NES games, you'll see Nintendo like molded into the plastic at the bottom on the back. Some of the Acclaim ones have Acclaim molded into the plastic. And some of like... the I have a Virgin game that has Virgin molded into the plastic that yeah. I just found out yesterday. When I was cleaning a game, I think Overlord for the NES, that's a virgin game. I believe that's the title. It's really, that. that's... You almost have to wonder. So, yeah, that that that's interesting because I could see them ordering the carts. Because the way it works now is, like, you, you have to go to Sony and they stamp the discs and everything. Yeah. So, like, you give them the files and then Sony will... Publish it almost. Print the discs, or... package it, and send it to you. Um, and then some of these companies like limited run games, they'll do like a collector's edition. They'll often combine and make their own collector's edition, but they get the game from Sony. So back in the day, I would just assume that Nintendo would also package up your carts and send them to you, but maybe they didn't. Maybe they just, you bought the shells and maybe a claim said, we found a manufacturer here that'll put our carts and our labels together and put our games together here. And maybe they hire just a really cheap company to do it. 
Uh, that's really interesting, actually. I'll have to dig into that a little bit. And that could be, too. Maybe they did send the games to Nintendo. I thought you had to buy the carts. You ordered the carts, and then you kind of put them together yourselves. I don't know. But even in the Acclaim cartridges, those boards are cheap-looking. Yeah, They're like everything a transparent, shitty. light, shitty blue. Yeah. And the NES, the regular Nintendo <laughs> ones are like that dark <laughs> yeah. green, you know? Ah, Man. Man. We could have so many discussions about these about NES like it's it's a rabbit hole of different yep. things I could talk about because I've just spent so much time looking at these things so closely and I find it fascinating I really do um, but that'd be a story for another time well I'll tell you what man I will definitely have you on again because I think this was super fun but we're getting to that hour and a half mark so it's about that time um, oh you didn't talk about what you picked up uh, well so I did a podcast you can't make it all about me. Yeah, this would be terrible. It's your podcast. Yeah. So I well I so I did a pickup pile a couple days ago. I talked about we had some big ticket Saturn games come in, but I did pick up. So Charlie and I last Monday went game hunting in Sheboygan. Oh, you guys went game hunting in Sheboygan last? Yeah, Monday? last Monday Ooh. we went, and I went down to well, you know, you hit Freak Toys, you hit Gaming Generations, of course, but I always go to my little gem, Victory Games, which I don't know if you ever went with us. Victory Games looks like a house on a main drag. Uh, it's it's mostly a card shop and board game shop, but in, in one of the back rooms, they have a section for video games. Yeah, I've never been here before. You've never taken me to this oh, place. Oh, well, ask Charlie. Ask Charlie what he thinks of the place. You've never taken me to the back room. I, uh, <laughs> I took Charlie, and oh, uh, he had some choice words. I'll, I'll leave it at that. You message Charlie later. Just be like, hey, Greg, on the podcast, we were talking about Victory Games. What was your experience like there? Just ask him. But, uh, so what he does now is... I want you to describe a little bit of this experience. But I, I, You know but, what? I, I want Charlie. I want Charlie I want Because I want the listeners to hear about it. You can't tease the listeners and not well, let them I'll know. Give, I'll give you some, some, some tips about it. So, ultimately, now what they do is they don't put their price... They don't put prices on any games. So, okay. when you want to buy a game, you take it up to the counter and he looks it up on price chart. Ooh. I really hate that because I don't know what he's paying for these games. I don't even know, like, how he gets them or how he decides what he pays. But it's kind of annoying when you go to a store and there's no price on something and you have to go to the You don't the want counter. to ask. And when you ask, you almost feel like obligated to buy. Yeah. It's like a guilt thing. Yeah. Well, and I, I bought something from him a few, like a month or two ago. And it was like a really rare PS2 game. Not super rare, but it was like 40 bucks. And I go up there and he's like, well, price charting has it at 45. And I'm like, well, ugh. You know, like, put a fucking price sticker on it, you know? But anyway, so he still has some games from back in the day, though that he has price stickers on. So if he has price stickers on them, he honors that price. Okay. At least he does that. Yeah, yeah, and he always tells me every time I buy something there, the owner's really nice. He's like, oh, I'm just going to check the price on these and make sure, because if they've gone down, I don't want to overcharge. At least he'll mark them down. Yeah, he says he won't mark them up. He makes sure he says it. He's like, I'm not going to mark them up. Just I want to make sure I don't overcharge. And I said, hey, look, man, I've already looked them all up. You don't need to look up anything that I'm buying because I already looked it up. I said, but if you want to for your own, like, Sandy, feel free. I said, but don't do it on my account because I'm good with it. And uh, and so I found a couple PS1 games there. Like, he had a copy of The Mummy for PS1. Like I'm up the one based on the movie? Yeah, yeah. There was a game on the PlayStation 1 for There that? was, and it's... um. It's like a $30 game now, and he wow. had it for 5 bucks. I never heard yeah. of it. I didn't no, know they made it, so it, it, it's, prob- ter- it's, it's probably rare, though. <laughs> it's, it is to an extent, but, like, we, I mean, I didn't even look. We might have one here. I should probably take a look. But so I went there, and I went through all of his PS1 because I'm up to about 620 PS1 games now. 
uh, which is not even half of the library. Isn't there like fourteen hundred or something? <laughs> it's, like, it's like thirteen something, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and which I'm not going for all of them anyway. I'm just trying to get all these really ones that look unique to me. It would be kind of cool if you did, though. You know what's going <sighs> to happen? Good on a shelf. If dude. you reach a certain number, you're going to try to go yeah, for it all. I that's know. you know what? That's what happens. Well, if I decide to do that, the first thing I do is go through my PS1 section because there's probably a hundred games here that I don't have, and so like I would just. But again, I don't want to like bulk it out for the no nice reason, thing but. though about collecting for ps1 is you can replace the jewel cases with brand new jewel cases yes. and make them look all pristine and nice and fancy and it, it's like it's not like collecting box stuff you know you, um, you have a lot of you can play a lot with the condition of the cases for sure oh yeah you can definitely tell like if you buy cheap cases unfortunately like they don't hold up and they're not as nice but you can do it so if you get a total crap case you're not and you're you can resurface up. your games, too? Yes. Yes, that's very true. And you can clean them up. There's a lot you can do. Like, CDs are quite durable, actually, um, when it comes to stuff. Like, even labels on the top, you can get that off. And, um, so, so I picked up The Mummy. I picked up Star Trek Invasion. I picked Really? Up, What's that one? It's just, like, some... Star, I don't even know. I think it's a some Star Trek... Some tactical like, type tactical thing? Fl- uh, like, space fighting game. They always, you know what? The Star Trek games, they always try to do those tactical things. Yeah. I think they even did a tactical, like, one on the Atari back in the day. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe and so. And the NES had a couple, like, of those kind of mm-hmm. like that, too. Which, oddly enough, though, for Genesis and Super Nintendo, they had Star Trek The Next Generation. That's a really awesome, like, adventure game. Uh, not not adventure and like point and click adventure, but like a like an action adventure game. And you fly around, you land on planets, and you send the team down, and you go around on the planet surface and stuff. It's actually pretty cool. Oh wow! Um, but I picked up Woody Woodpecker Racing. I picked up like just some weird stuff. These are all PlayStation One. These are all PlayStation One. They, they made a like, Woody Woodpecker yeah, game for they the were PS One. Like five to eight bucks a piece. Dirt cheap, and they're all they were all worth at least twice as much as I paid. So it's cool. I mean, although I could have bought those because I realized I was there. A month ago and i didn't buy those and i know he didn't put them in there because they had prices on them so they've been there every time i've gone there so I it's just almost didn't... like i'm here and i gotta buy something so i'm gonna buy something i passed on last yeah, time yeah. Or, or or i just wasn't looking for that i was looking for something else and so i bought a couple of games from there and that's pretty much it we had someone here bring in uh a couple of strategy guides i got a strategy guide for dragon quest 8 and for um Dark Cloud 2 for PS2, which is pretty cool. But, yeah, other than that, though, it's been kind of quiet since my last podcast. I mean, I had a couple big big heavy hitters there. So that's about it. Cool, cool, man. I, I learned something new. I'm not as – I did have a PS1 back in the day. I got one really late in the PS1's lifespan. I got one for my 13th birthday in 2000. Sure. So, you know, not long after that, I got the PS2. But I did enjoy a lot of budget $20 titles by yep. that point. <laughs> but I didn't get too deep into the library. I had the wrestling games, and then I had some of like the bigger hit titles that I could find for 20 bucks, like Mega Man Legends. And I had like Croc. And, um, Croc was good. Like Frogger, you know, that stuff. I didn't um, have too many of the obscure oddball ones. I think like one of the weird ones that would fit in the same vein as the mummy that we had was I had Star Wars Episode One? Sure, which my stepbrother. It was super fun. It is actually my stepbrother had it, and I liked it. We we're big Star Wars fans, and I think I traded him something for it because he didn't <laughs> like it anymore. And that's how I ended up I, with it. I don't know how it holds up now, but I remember at the time it was just cool because you had lightsabers and you could deflect the shots and stuff. So like that was a big thing is you deflected the laser shots and. And it's almost like I haven't now. I can't. I shouldn't really even comment on this because I'm going off of pure speculation and from what i've seen and heard we do a lot of that here you're okay (laughs) but it could almost be like a precursor to like some of them uh what are the knights uh 
like the later Star Wars games on the Xbox, like Knights of the, it's not oh, the, it's Knights of the Old Republic, the Old Republic, is it? Sure. Kind of like that. You, It's like the first, I would say it's the first 3D action Star Wars, I don't know if we call it a platformer or what, but lightsaber game, I would say, because remember we had, before that we had like, Dark Forces and Dark Forces 2, which were first-person games. Right, right. And you had a lot of, like, the TIE Fighter and X-Wing games and Rebel Assault, which right, those, those are those ship flight, games. Sh- yep, Flight Sim. Um, so I would say that that's probably the first one on a console in that 3D like that. Besides, I guess who could say Shadows of the Empire, but that's, again, you got a gun in that game. Yeah, Dash so. Rendar, yeah. Oh, yeah, good old Dash. <laughs> It's like the the name of somebody who somebody who's not very cool would think is a cool name. <laughs> it's like they tried to give you a um, generic Han Solo, like the Kmart Han Solo. Right, right. Here's Dash Render. We don't got Han Solo, but we got Dash Render. Well, there, there were some really cool PC Star Wars games around that time, like um, Jedi Outcast and Jedi Academy. Because Dark Forces, you're right, was a first-person shooter. Jedi Academy is a sequel to uh, Dark Forces, isn't it? Uh, Jedi Outcast is. Jedi so, Outcast So Dark is. Forces 2 is Jedi Outcast. Okay. And then those were really cool. And I remember playing Jedi Academy multiplayer on PC. And it was cool because you would actually like have other lightsaber wielders and you could jump really high and far. Like, you felt like, I'm an unstoppable Jedi. And uh, I think... I'm with you on episode one kind of feeling that way too. Like you felt powerful and you felt like cool to be a Jedi because all the other games were always space sims or shooters or something else. So finally, and that's why I have a soft spot for the fighting game, the Star Wars Masters of the Terrakasai. Oh, it's terrible, (laughs) terrible fighter. But you got to be, you know, Han Solo or you got to be like Luke versus Vader. And like it just, it was awesome. Did you ever play the demolition game on the PlayStation? Yeah, it's fun. It's, you know, it's vehicular combat. (laughs) You know, it's no twisted metal, but it's all right. You know, I love twisted metal. Yeah, me too. But I had those games too. I forgot about that. But you know, you go back and you play them. Those games are really hard. The difficulty is super high on those games. It almost makes it like, you're fighting your controls half no. the time, too, because yeah, it's, like, it's rough. You, you know? find a good car that kind of cruises, and you're just flying all over the place. Yeah. Those when games did f- not age as well as I had hoped. Yeah, we they- need a new Twisted Metal game, though. Oh, dude, sign me up for that. Yeah, that The PS3 one was actually pretty good, too, and it was made by, you know, David Jaffe directed that, and it's like he's the original Twisted Metal creator, and he was on it. So the best ones he's had a hand in. It'd be cool to get him back, but I don't even think he makes games anymore. He just... Make shitty YouTube videos now or something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But all right. I got to get you out of here. I got to get out of here. Um, but I really appreciate you coming down, man. This was really awesome. And and uh, we'll get you on here again, dude. This was great. Um, got to get you on here. Got to get John back on here. Got to get uh, got to get everybody back on and here. And I apologize, too. If I went on some really long rants and veered off, I, I'm new to this. We, and we do that here. I We're am okay. a rambler. So <laughs> I apologize if I got a little off topic. And, you know. Nah, it was good, man. So it was, I, it was hope fun. That, I hope that uh, – I hope – I didn't bore you guys too much. No, we just gave him two hours of content. Dude. I hope you'll have me back. Um, absolutely <laughs> will. Um, so remember, you can follow me on Twitter at GameTradeGreg. You can follow Jack on Twitter at JackSucksAtGames. That's S-U-X, just like the RoboCop S-U-X 1000. Wasn't that the name of the car in that? I think so, <laughs> but I, I stole it from Kesha. <laughs> well, Kesha's, Kesha's tag on Twitter used to be before she kind of cleaned her she went through this phase where she kind of cleaned everything up and changed her look and removed the dollar sign from her name. It used to be Kesha sucks with a triple X. Oh, okay. So that's where I got the idea from. And I thought it was a cool way to say sucks too. That's how we, that's how we grew up spelling, man. It's uh, it's rebellious. I like it. Beavis and butthead, I think spell it that way. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so follow Jack, Jack sucks at games on Twitter. I'm game trade. Greg, as always, thank you very much for listening and, and, and following along. Uh, We hope you have a good one. We'll talk to you next week. Say goodbye, Jack. Goodbye, Jack. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye.